Hey, Em, welcome to the Anima Rising podcast. So nice to have you. Yeah, it's it's great to be here. Now, I'm so interested to talk about this um, this uh, topic of BDSM. And I know a little bit about it, but I wanted to ask, what are the common practices of BDSM? Well, oh my goodness, uh, the common practices. <laughs> there are a lot of common practices. Um, you know, it, it really depends what people are looking for. BDSM is this umbrella that, you know, bondage, discipline, um, sadomasochism. And so a lot of these, you know, the activities are interconnected or there will be overlap. But in my experience, I found, um, you know, people are looking for different things, as I said, like maybe somebody is what is called a pain slut, where they really like pain. And so those activities are maybe, um, you know, nipple torture, cock and ball torture, flogging, um, things like that, things that are painful. And they basically get, um, you know, an endorphin rush from, you know, being in pain and, you know, all the emotional and psychological sensations of somebody inflicting pain on them in a consensual, you know, planned setting. Then there are people who are into humiliation. And sometimes people who are into humili humiliation are into pain, but sometimes they're not. So humiliation might be, um, you know, uh, it, this might sound disgusting for a lot of people, but like uh, golden showers, like somebody yeah. might feel humiliated by being urinated on and that is a turn on for them. They might feel humiliated by being spit on or um, having to swallow their dominant, you know, saliva or, you know, um, for a man, a man, for a man, sub male submissive to be penetrated, uh, you know, with a dildo, they call it strap on. So that is humiliating. And so sometimes people who are into humiliation are also into pain because being flogged can be humiliating. You know, being spanked can be humiliating. So there's that. Then there are the fetishists. And again, these there's overlap. And fetishists are people who like, let's say they have a fetish for feet and they don't necessarily see it as humiliating. Although some people who are into humiliation do see, you know, licking their dominant feet to be humiliating and that's what turns them on. But some fetishists, basically, they have a fetish for feet and they see it as pleasurable. They just get off on feet or, um, you know, they get off on uh, leather, the smell of leather, the touch of leather, seeing their dominant wearing leather, same with latex. And then there are people who enjoy these kind of uh, BDSM activities just for the pleasure. It's all about the pleasure. And that's where you get like prostate massage and, um, you know, things that, um, you know, or bondage, which is what we're going to be talking about, you know, things that 
um, you know, it's like kinky things that give pleasure. And um, there was one more thing that I was going to add, and it just slipped my mind. Another, um, you know, type of BDSM. I guess I would say, um, because when I said bondage, you know, sensory deprivation, people who like the whole experience of having um, their sensations taken away from them. So maybe they will be bound, um, you know, either in ropes or in uh, leather or latex, you know, full like body encasing, or they will be wrapped with saran wrap and it so it takes away their movement then they want to take away their sight with a blindfold take away um you know maybe their sense of just connecting to the world with a hood and um you know have a ball gag in their mouth so um so that pretty much covers it <laughs> that is uh, those are some of the typical activities it, yeah, uh, that's interesting. Do you find that there's a psychology behind these fetishes? Like, why do people gravitate gravitate towards these things? Like, you know, humiliation and bondage and and certain kinks. Wow, it's um again, it's really complicated, and I think uh one of the problems with people's understanding of BDSM, at least in the past was that for people who don't have this fetish, it's it's so strange. And so they're just like, oh my gosh, this is a pathology. This is um, wrong. And the thing is, is that pe- there, there, there are so many different psychologies behind why people are into BDSM activities, just like maybe you you got a feeling from when I was describing all the way, all the reasons that people are into certain activities. I mean, somebody there is the uh you know there is the argument that somebody experienced trauma in their childhood and so they are either looking to go through it again in a way that they feel control over in a way that they can actually heal from there's that there are people where I feel like um the psychology develops just like they just, I don't know, it's like hereditary or it's genetic. I mean, why does somebody develop a fetish for seeing women in latex? Why does somebody develop a fetish for wearing latex? I don't know. For me, it starts to feel like maybe it's genetic or they had an experience again when they were younger where they saw something, um, you know, maybe they wore a pair of gloves while washing the dishes and they enjoyed the feeling and maybe they got a sensual rush out of that and they then they try to recreate it. There are people who, the, some of the times the psychology is literally just to get off. Like um, I'm in the pain, I've developed this. There's like not a lot of, you know, deep psychology, just people are into manipulating um you know, the endorphins, because it causes an endorphin rush. So um, maybe I, I don't quite think I'm totally answering your question. So maybe you want to an- ask oh, another no, question I, I based think, on what um, I said. Yeah, no, I think you're, I would assume the same thing, um, you know, trauma, or just because they like it. Some people like uh, to give pain because they enjoy it. And that, you know, reminds me of like the different, um 
positions or, you know, sub being a sub, being a dom, being a switch, like, cause those, um, from my knowledge, um, one is receiving pain and one is giving, or one is in control. Like, do you feel like, um, there are certain personalities that would gravitate towards being a sub or dom, like from your experience or, um, like, um, what's what's the the main differences with, with you and like what you've seen with people and the roles that they choose to play well you know it's really interesting uh when I first started uh working as a dominatrix and you know kind of studying BDSM I, I don't know like 20 years ago now it's probably more if I really uh count up the count up the years um you know, there was a stereotype that it's like the man in charge is the guy who wants to be a submissive. You know, he wants to um, kind of uh, like have a break from that. So he wants to kind of almost like obliterate his ego because he's always in control. Um, but honestly, what I've seen in terms of who makes a submissive and what kind of a personality, yes, there's that. You know, there's men um, and as a professional dominatrix, oftentimes I'm going to be talking about, uh, because that's my experience, I will talk about male submissives because the majority of my experience is with men. So there are men who, um, you know, they're almost like kind of like narcissists and they want to be broken by a woman, you know, there, so there's that personality. There are are also men who are just kind of like natural people pleasers. And they want to, um, you know, they just like to make a woman happy. They just like to uh, put put a smile on their, on their, you know, female dominance face. There are men who maybe have always felt a little feminine and they like to cross dress or they like to play, you know, play what we have perceived as a traditional female role, which is like, being more domestic and, you know, cleaning the house. So you've got that. And then you just have like normal people, like a guy who just happens to have a foot fetish. I don't know why he just, um, at some age he discovered like, Oh, I think feet are hot. Like, you know, yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. So it's like, I don't, I haven't seen like a particular personality. Like it's all over the map. So, um, and in terms of who makes a dominant, you know, the perfect dominant or wh what sort of people gravitate toward that. I mean, the, I would say the, like what people would assume would be somebody who's like, loves to be, you know, uh, in control and everything. And there is that, but I've also seen dominants who um, have experienced trauma themselves or they've been they felt weak and then they are trying to reclaim their power through being a dominant. So, um, yeah, that makes sense. Again, I, I can see that. And I know we met in the Tantra community and what was it about Tantra that you felt you wanted to explore? And have you met other people, um, in your community, the BDSM community that have been also interested in part of Tantra? Well, yeah, I've seen a huge uh, change. I'll kind of answer the, 
the second question that you posed first. Um, I've seen a huge change um, in kind of the blending of Tantra and BDSM, maybe in the last decade, because when I first got into the scene and first explored, like Tantra and BDSM were like these separate entities that never blended. And um, I think that, you know, with the internet and people kind of learning about other types of sexuality and just like the limitations that some people have found just maybe with only Tantra or only BDSM, people have started kind of combining um, these things because, or let's not say scenes, let's say sexual practices, because especially with BDSM, I feel like people have seen um, some of the things that were missing from it, either that Tantra could fill or they've seen intrinsically how Tantra and BDSM are, are, are similar. And I'll give you an example, like there is with BDSM kind of a creation of a sacred container. You know, you have this, um, you know, you meet at a particular time, consent is discussed, rules are discussed. Then you have this particular room where you carry every, you know, carry out the act and it's, you're already going into another headspace because it's often, you know, it's like a beautiful room or it's an unusual room with, a, you know, a St. Andrew's cross and a, and a spanking bench, you know, it's, it's putting you into another, another kind of um, mentality and one where you, a, a person could kind of achieve an, a spiritual enlightenment, especially when experiencing pain, you know, um, religions often, uh, you know, with Catholicism, there's a lot of people, um, experiencing pain as a, as a means of achieving, um, a spiritual awakening, like they are, uh, crawling on their knees to go see, you know, uh, a rendition of the Virgin, or they are flagellating themselves or even like nailing themselves to cross crosses at Easter. So BDSM through like um, experiencing pain or losing control, um, all these sort of things is a way for people to have this spiritual awakening. A lot of people have reported that. So just to say one of the things that have been missing from BDSM that I think Tantra has, um, has been able to fill is that sometimes people are kind of stuck in this loop of like, I just want to get off, you know, which is kind of the way sex is and what Tantra helps with like regular, let's call it vanilla sexuality, is that people are focused on the orgasm, they're focused on getting off. And they're not focused on the, the places where they can go or the connection that they the deepened connection that they can have with another person through sex. Um, and so I think when BDSM uses pieces uh, or kind of adopts pieces of Tantra or blends Tantra with the practice, then it can be as, you know, connecting and as much of a spiritual, uh, a, a, a means of spiritual enlightenment as Tantra is. Yes. I, and I like that. Um, 
you know, with the BDSM practice, you're embracing all different types of experiences, like in Tantra, embracing, you know, our pain and our joy. And I feel like when, you know, not shaming BDSM is, I feel like making it into, you know, because sex and Tantra is sacred and there's no um, type of sex that's wrong. It's really, like you said, what we enjoy and not coming to, not focusing so much on the angle. And that kind of reminds me of, um, I think we, we mentioned this uh, sacred kink. And I guess like that kind of reminds me of how kink and BDSM can be sacred, like you said, in healing. Yes, absolutely. And, um, you know, it's not only submissives who report, uh, you know, feeling this uh, sense of spiritual enlightenment or sense of spiritual connectedness, like as if, as if, you know, the great other is with them when they are put into this, you know, subspace, as it's often called, but Dom, you know, the dominant also sometimes feels like they are, you know, a conduit for which, you know, the spirit world can go into their submissive, or they are helping to relieve the submissive of some kind of like dark negative energy. And they also, they often get this like high where they feel like they're flying. So I think that that is a way that kink can be sacred. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of like an exorcism in a way where you're, maybe that's a weird example, but um, you know, when you're trying, like you said, to get rid of or like a detox or a cleanse or even like an ayahuasca journey where you're just kind of going in and trying to get rid of like the gunk and, you know, heal through your traumas or anything like pain. Yeah, no, I don't think it's weird that you you said an exorcism at all. I mean, that would be like the, the Catholic thing. But when I was speaking, I was thinking of like, uh, you know, what we would call a quote unquote medicine, medicine man, you know, yeah. uh, uh, you know, a, a healer and what they might put somebody through, um, you know, in order to uh, get rid of, you know, the, the dark energy. But I think um, one of the ways that this works so well, just from like a psychology perspective, which is like the Western psychology perspective, is that there's consent uh, that people are like the dominant and the submissive care for one another. I mean, that's the thing. The dominant cares for the submissive in like a good setting where we're saying that this is healthy, healthy kink. Um, the dominant cares for the submissive. Um, consent is given. They kind of discuss what's going to happen in the scene. And in that sense, let's say if a submissive has had a traumatic experience, they can kind of relive the experience, but now, or a similar experience, but now with consent and where they're not being neglected, they're not being abandoned, there's aftercare, you know, there's caring. Somebody isn't just like taking power as a means to coerce, which is abuse or, you know, taking power without consent. They are taking power with consent. So. Right. Yeah. And that's like the main difference between why BDSM isn't, it isn't a bad practice because like you said, it's about giving consent and it's, it's not about power really because everyone is agreeing to the terms of it, of, of what's going on. 
Absolutely. Did, um, a paper in the high school. Um, we, he gave us a bunch of topics and one of them was BDSM. I don't know why it was on this list in high school, but I did a, a paper on it and that was like my argument at the time. This was just so long ago, but I find that uh, it's like such an important piece because it can seem like it's, you know, a really abusive thing, but it's, it's really the intention and the energy behind it. And another question I wanted to ask is um, from your experiences, do you think these like agent and fetishes, kink, BDSM can improve our relationships? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, a lot of times, um, people who are into kink say that their relationships are even deeper than let's say a vanilla relationship because there is so much you know discussion of consent and you know what are you into how can I make your fantasy reality there's communication so um in terms of people connecting I mean a lot of times these sessions are quite long um, you know, people are going to really scary places with one another. And so I think that that is definitely a way that people, you know, partners can connect even more deeply. And when you think of the trust that is built, like the submissive is trusting the dominant to keep them safe, even while, you know, putting them in a scary place, taking them to a scary place, either psychologically and physically or both. So, you know, and again, it's, you know, this is for people who are into this, they can definitely get more connected. I don't like recommend everybody be into kink. It's like, it's only if you want to, it's not like if you're not into kink, you can't have deep, you know, connected relationships or find that. But, um, but definitely kink is a way to, deepen a relationship if it's done correctly and with consent and care yes well thank you so much for joining and I really enjoyed learning more about this and I want to just give a moment for you to share if you'd like where people can find you your writings and or blog posts anything that you'd like to share so people can uh, follow up with you if they'd like yeah yeah absolutely the the best place to find um you know, all the information about me is on my website with which is mysteriouswit.com. And that will have the link to my Instagram. Um, I sometimes I don't do it as much as I'd like to, but I make reels about, you know, female sexuality about, you know, um, myths that I like to break about how we think of female sexuality. I also write and uh, I write quite a bit and so the links can be found on my website. Um, there was a time when I was writing quite a bit on Medium. So there's like a ton of articles that can be found again, it's at Mysterious Wit, <laughs> you know? So um, I would say going to my website, following me on Instagram and, um, you know, following my Medium page, uh, which is, you know, at Mysterious Wit, but you know, I write all over the place. So, um, yeah, I definitely you know, I put the links in there. So those who are listening, uh, they can just go click the links and they can, it will go straight to your website and your Instagram and your medium. I, I like medium. That's a really nice place to write. It's very, um, a lot of creative writers on there. So I'll definitely. Have Absolutely. To 
All right. Well, thank you for those who are listening. Um, hope you enjoy the rest of your day and have a good one. Bye.